There, children, you're dismissed uh, to go um, back to your class. Uh, children, dismissed to go upstairs. Psalm 41. A psalm from the sickbed. As David is sick, and as we see as we work our way through this psalm, it's a prayer to the Lord, a prayer for blessing, forgiveness, deliverance, and then a prayer for God to be faithful to him as he has been. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we do praise you even as we've just sung of your lavish grace that was poured out for us at Calvary. We rejoice in the, the mercy and grace that you've given us every day since. Your grace that sustains us, your grace that uh, gives us strength, you give us wisdom as you care for us, uh, as you uh, carry us through. And we rejoice in who you are, we rejoice in what you've done for us in Christ, that truly he is all that we need. We pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes to that reality. Even this evening as we look to this passage, may you be honored through the word, may your spirit work for your glory. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 41, like I said, it's a psalm from the sickbed. In fact, even down in verse 8, you'll see David says, an evil disease, they say, clings to him. These are his opponents, those who are against him. They're saying this disease is with him, it won't leave him. That's the circumstances in which David finds himself as he comes to this psalm, as he pens this psalm. He's overtaken with an illness, with a disease. We see how he reacts to it in this psalm, and we see how his enemies and his friends and those around him react to it as well. First thing we see in verses 1 to 3 is his prayer that the Lord would bless him, bless me, and bless those who bless me. It says this, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. He will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. He will sustain him on his sickbed. Verse 4 goes on, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When, he when will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you... O oh Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. In those first several verses there, we see, bless me, bless those who bless me. Blessed is he who considers the poor. 
Blessed is he who considers the one who is, who is helpless, who is weak, who cannot help themselves, who has no, no means, who cannot repay me, the one who is poor, helpless, weak. Blessed is he who considers him. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. That word blessed carries the idea of joy is his. He will be happy, he will be blessed as the one who considers the poor. It's interesting that Psalm 41 starts with this phrase, blessed is he who considers the poor, because as the psalm goes on, we see that David's friends, those who are close to David, they don't consider him. The contrast of the ideal here in verse 1, that they would consider the poor, that they would consider the helpless, that they would consider the weak, who in this psalm is David, who's overtaken with this sickness, it's contrasted with the reality of his friends and his enemies who have used this to turn against him, to betray him. Blessed is he who considers the poor. David writes that as his own friends, as his own family have turned their back on him and they don't consider him. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will bless on the earth. He will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. He will sustain him on his sickbed. There in verse 3, David is taking strength and encouragement from this truth. Blessed is he who considers the poor. David has done that. He has sought to consider the poor. He has sought to use the position that God has given him as, as king, as ruler. He's used that to consider the poor and the helpless and the weak. And so he knows that God will strengthen him on his bed of illness. God will sustain him in his sickbed. And yet at the same time, while David is clinging to that, as he writes this, his own family and friends are turning against him. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Bless me and bless those who bless me. But then as you come to verse 4, David turns his attention. Forgive me. Forgive me. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. It's interesting here in verse 4, David doesn't say, Lord, be merciful to me, forgive me, heal my soul, because I have considered the poor in the past. Do this for me, God, because look what I've done for you. It's not what David says. In fact, David doesn't say anything in here where he deserves God's mercy. He says, Lord, be merciful to me. Lord, heal my soul. Why? I've sinned against you. It's not because I deserve it. It's because I need it. David recognizes and he's confessing here his sin. In fact, as, as, as in many other Psalms here, there's a direct link that David sees between, be, between his sin and the circumstances in which he finds himself. That's not always the case. Sickness is not always a, 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 the hand of God against you. But sickness is always good because our God is always good, even as we just sang, even when we don't understand. Even sickness, even trouble can be the sanctifying hand of God at work in my life. 
And so David here is recognizing this is a possibility. He's not necessarily equating his sickness with his sin. But he is acknowledging his unworthiness of the Lord's mercy, of the Lord's blessing. I don't deserve this. I need your mercy. I need your blessing. I need your strength. It's interesting, the song we just sang, You Are Always Good. The second verse starts out this way. Looking in, I can see my frailty. My sin is so great and my strength is so small. That's the second verse of David's psalm here. It's exactly what he's saying. Lord, I am frail. I am weak. I am a sinner. My sin is great. My strength is small. I need you. Bless me, verses 1 to 3. Verse 4, forgive me. And verses 5 to 9, deliver me. My enemies speak evil of me. This is what they say. When will he die and his name perish? They're wishing the worst for him. His enemies are against him. They're, they're, they're using this situation. This is for our benefit. This is good. David's going to die. But then verse 6, And if he comes to see me, even the one who comes to see me, who, who seemingly looks like he cares for me as he comes to my hospital bed, he speaks lies. In fact, his heart gathers iniquity to itself, and when he goes, he tells it. This visitor pretends to care, but in reality, he's only there to gather information, to go out and to slander and to gossip against David. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt and evil disease. They say, clings to him, and now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. In verses 5 to 8, that is hard. It's difficult when you're, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a sickness, when you're going through, through something that is very difficult and, and people are turning against you. People are, are, are rejoicing in your difficulty. But at least in verses 5 to 8, it's his enemies. It's those who he doesn't expect to care for him. It's still hard. It doesn't make it any easier when someone's rejoicing in, in, in your downfall. But in verse 9, it takes another turn. It's not just my enemies are against me, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted. The one that I, I, I trusted, someone, someone who sat at my table and broke bread with me. Even he has lifted up his heel against me in this. It's one thing when your enemy's against you publicly. That hurts. That's not easy to see. That's not easy to hear. It's another thing altogether when it's your friends, when it's your family, when it's someone who, who cares, someone who you have trusted. It's interesting that in uh, John 13, verse 18, Jesus uses this very same verse when talking about Judas. It's quoted by Christ of Judas, the one whom he trusted, who, who, he ate, who ate his bread, lifted up his heel against me.
Like Christ, David has here been betrayed by those he cares about, those who, who he loves, who he thought loved him. Then you come to verse 10. So verses 5 to, to 9, deliver me. He, he's bringing these requests, these troubles, these problems to the Lord. And then verses 10 to 13, be faithful to me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up. In contrast to David's friends, in contrast to David's family, in contrast to David's enemies, the Lord will never leave him. The Lord will never betray him. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me. Raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. They may scheme against me. They may lie about me. They may slander me. They may gossip about me. They may threaten me. But they will not prevail. They do not prevail because my God is faithful. By this I know that you are well pleased with me. Because my enemy does not triumph over me. Even in this trouble, even in this difficulty, even though his friends and, and everyone is turning against him, even in that, David is encouraged in the Lord. Why? Because God has not abandoned him. Even in that, his enemy does not triumph over me. And that's where David finds his hope here. That's what's encouraging David. And in fact, verse 12, as for me, you uphold me into my integrity. You uphold me. You, you, you strengthen me. I am not shaken. I, I am upheld firmly. And set me before your face forever. David hears an eternal perspective as he clings to God's eternal promises. He's clinging to those promises. And you will set me before your face Forever. It's, it's reminiscent of the end of Psalm 23 where he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David here in the end of Psalm 41 returns to that idea. You've set me before your face forever. That's the hope that I have. That's what I'm clinging to. Not just for deliverance right now from this painful situation, but I'm looking to to the future. I, I have an eternal perspective. I can endure now because God has given me strength. He is upholding me. But I can also endure now because I know God's promises. I know what he has said. I know what he will do. And that's what I will cling to. And then verse 13 ends with a, a doxology as we come to the end of Psalm 41. We're actually coming also to the end of book one of Psalms. There's five books in the Psalms. The Psalms are divided into these five books. Verse, chapters one, Psalms 1 through 41 is the end of book 1. And all of these books end with a doxology. So as we come to the end of Psalm 41, it ends with this thought. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Truly, truly. So as we come to Psalm 41, we see the psalm from the sickbed. A man on his sickbed. 
A man who doesn't know what the future holds. A man who is currently struggling through through something that is not easy. And yet at the same time, his enemies and his friends have all turned against him. And yet, what is he hoping? In the midst of all this, he hopes in his God who has not changed. He hopes in his God who upholds him. He hopes in his God who will fulfill the promises that he has given him. So, by way of application... As we go to prayer, how do we take the big ideas of Psalm 41 and apply that to our prayers, to our lives? Well, first comes from verse 1. Love one another, especially those who are needy, those who are weak. Love one another. It's interesting, I I think that's especially applicable in this politically charged time of coronavirus. Lots of people are literally sick. Love one another. Care for one another in this. Not just the sick, but care for those who are um, vulnerable. Care for one another. I don't want to, I do not want to get into politics at all, believe me. But I think as we consider this chapter, this verse, we, I think it's foolish to deny the politicalization of COVID. It's obvious. And yet it's just as foolish, if not more so, to deny the reality of the virus and the danger that it poses to those who are vulnerable. It's a real thing. And so we can love one another in this. We can love one another in this by caring for those who are vulnerable, even if you're not vulnerable. Care for those who are. Love them. And if that means that we have to sit every other row six feet apart for the next several months so that a few in our congregation are more comfortable to come to church, then that's what we will do. In fact, that's what we will do for the next 10 years if that's what we have to do. Because we love one another and we care for one another. And we will care for those who are vulnerable. Secondly, confess your sin. That's what David does here. He recognizes his sin. He recognizes his frailty, his weakness. He doesn't come to God based on the the, the strength that he is the king of Israel. That's not his claim here. I have sinned against you. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve your love. But you're a merciful God and you're a gracious God and so I will come. So love one another. Care for one another. Confess your sin to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That's what David does in verses 5 through 9. He is trusting in the Lord. He's bringing his problems to the Lord. Right? He's, not, he's not keeping a bottle inside. He's, he's very honest with God. This is what's going on. This is who has turned against me. This is what I'm facing. This hurts. And yet nowhere in there do you get the sense that David is gone off the deep end, that he has lost all trust in the Lord. 
In fact, you get the sense more of a man who is trusting God. And because he trusts God, he's bringing his problems to him. You don't go to someone with your issues that you don't trust. Trust the Lord. And then finally, also look to the future. Remember the promises that God has given you. Cling to those promises. Keep an eternal perspective. Know that there is more that is at stake than this present day. Cling to the promises that God has given you. Know that he will complete what, he's been, what he has begun in you. So love one another. Confess your sin. Trust in the Lord. And look to the future. As we go to prayer, that means pray for one another. That means you, as you pray, confess your sin to the Lord. That means as you pray, you bring your requests to the Lord because you trust him. And that means you end your prayers in hope because you know that your God has heard you and you know that your God is at work for your good and for his glory. And so you look to the future and you cling to those promises that he has given you. So with that in mind, we'll now transition to prayer requests. Uh, just a, a couple as we're turning over there. Um, we'll take a few more here at the end. Also, I'll need a couple men if you're willing to come up uh, and to lead us in prayer. Uh, just come to the front here, sit in these front few rows, and we'll, we'll get you up here. Um,